Hi everyone, it's Greg again with another edition of See It or Shove It. I'm here this week to give you my thoughts on the latest movies playing in theaters and streaming on your TV. Also this week and now streaming, I'm going to let you know where you can find most of the Best Picture nominees in case you want to do a mini-marathon before the awards next weekend. And then we'll see which film you selected for Be Kind Rewind, plus I look at a timely series in Binge It or Singe It. So let's get the show on the road. For our featured movies this week, Michael B. Jordan steps in front of and behind the camera for Creed 3, Stephen King's Children of the Corn grows a new version, director Guy Ritchie offers us Operation Fortune, and Woody Harrelson leads a team of champions. First up, Adonis Creed reunites with a childhood friend, but this reunion turns all but friendly. This is Creed 3. The higher you get, the harder it gets. That's life. Because this is a war. It's a fight. It's a battle. So, how long have you known each other? It was like brothers. The film opens in 2002, where we see a young Adonis Creed joining up with his friend Damian Anderson, where they go to underground fights. One night, while on the way home, Adonis sees a familiar face that triggers him to beat the shit out of. Damian enters the fray with a loaded gun, and soon Damian is arrested, while Adonis escapes accountability. Fast forward almost two decades with Creed, played by Michael B. Jordan, now living a life of retired luxury with his wife Bianca, played by Tessa Thompson, and their deaf daughter Amara, played by Mila Davis-Kent. Meanwhile, Damien, played by Jonathan Majors, is now being released from prison. Now retired and running a boxing gym of his own, Adonis encounters Damien, who wants him to train him to be the boxer he always knew he could be before he got arrested. Adonis feels that it's too late and would rather focus on his own protege, Felix Chavez, played by Jose Benavidez Jr. Irritated by this, as it is implied that Damien took the fall for Adonis, he now feels that he is owed this opportunity. And when the opportunity arises for Damien to fight, the result leaves the two with bad blood that eventually forces them to face off once and for all. When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted it would be a see-it, And I give this film a... See it! This film was extremely engaging and entertaining. Jordan does a tremendous job directing this film, which honestly was pretty ballsy for him to select a film of this magnitude as his directorial debut. Some of the shots are just stunning, especially the fight sequences. The pacing was great, and it was just a thrill ride of tension throughout. Majors definitely lives up to his last name here. He is Major. The tension and resentment boiling beneath his skin is palpable, and the choice Majors makes in making the tension brew just below the surface until erupting in the ring was excellent. I know I said it before, but I'll say it again. This man is going to be a major player for years to come. He is extremely talented. 
My only gripe about the film would be in the casting of the young versions of the two main characters, who bore little resemblance to the adult actors. And this was made even more obvious with an overlay late in the film. But that is a minor gripe for a great film. Go see this on the largest screen possible. You won't regret it. Next, when a traumatized young girl recruits all the town's children to kill the adults, horrible, horrible things happen. This is Children of the Corn. I know. It sucks. It's so hard sometimes you can hardly breathe. But I can help with your pain. Brace yourself. He who walks, he talked to me. He took care of me. So now I'm going to take care of him. Like killing all the adults. For starters. A town of poor farmers in Nebraska are at a crossroads when their crop of corn begins to fail, causing economic destruction to their town, Rylestone. One day at a town meeting, Robert, played by Callan Mulvey, sets a vote on whether to take a payoff and sell their farms. His daughter, Boylan, played by Elena Camporis, begs him to think twice. And the town's children demand that they get a say in the matter. Meanwhile, Eden, played by Kate Moyer, is a survivor of a terrible gassing accident at a local orphanage. She leads the current orphans to voice their say, but they are dismissed and laughed at by the adults for having the nerve to think that they have an opinion in the matter. This sets off Eden and her group to plot revenge toward the adults by murdering them in the name of He Who Walks, a mysterious and demonic figure who allegedly lives among the cornstalks and requires blind loyalty and sacrifices. Can Bolin do what she needs to to restore calm and peace in her town before Eden kills everyone in sight? I give this film a... Huge shove it. This is sure to be one of the contenders for the worst film of 2023. It was suspense-free, scare-free, and with horrible dialogue and more bad acting than a Kim Kardashian-hosted episode of Saturday Night Live. This very low-budget film has little to offer, and after a two-week window, it is being shipped off to the horror streamer Shudder. So if you have it and want to see what I'm talking about, but I'd recommend staying away. The one thing this film has going for it is that it is mercifully short at just under 90 minutes before credits roll. Seriously, skip this piece of shit. Up next, a movie star is recruited to help a spy stop the sale of a new weapons technology. This is Operation Fortune. So what we got? Something rather nasty has been stolen. We have to stop that getting onto the open market. Who's the buyer? Greg Simmons. The billionaire arms dealer. Ooh, a lot of very serious faces up here, aren't there? You can't catch this fish with conventional lures. I'm sorry? The lure being? Tony Francesco. The movie star. Greg Simmons' favourite movie star. And how do we get him? Blackmail. Who's to get? Very good. Carry on. Jason Statham stars as Orson Fortune, a British spy who is often called upon to lead intricate missions of national importance. When he receives a call from Nathan, played by Carrie Elwes, he is less than thrilled at the prospect of another mission. He is asked to track down a stolen briefcase that holds a mystery object that is about to hit the black market of underground arms dealers and drug cartels. 
The contents of the briefcase are secret, and it is unknown to everyone involved just what is inside. All they know is that it can lead to catastrophic results if it is not acquired. Fortune recruits the team by hiring J.J. Davies, played by British rapper Bugsy Malone, and Sarah Fidel, played by the great Aubrey Plaza. The team convinces movie star Danny Francesco, played by Josh Hartnett, to help them get into an exclusive private party hosted by billionaire George Simons, played by Hugh Grant. They think this will lead them to the holder of the briefcase as Simons hangs out with a sketchy crowd, you know. After this, the team begins hunting down the briefcase on a journey that takes them on high-speed chases, multiple fights, and shootouts. I give this film a... Mild see it. Is this the best Guy Ritchie movie ever? Not even close. But I do think it is the most accessible to people, as the usual extreme violence seems to be taken down a few notches. But it was entertaining enough for me to wonder how it would end. However, one gripe. The character of Orson is known to have many phobias, yet none of them ever seem to appear or inhibit him from doing his job. It was odd to even mention this without it being part of the story. Statham is his usual reliable action hero self here. Plaza is unfortunately criminally underused, and Hugh Grant supplies a decent amount of humor to the role. Plus, it was nice to see Josh Hartnett back on the screen. It's been a while since I've seen him. It's a decent way to pass the time if you like madcap action movies, but just don't expect the usual grit normally associated with a Guy Ritchie film. Finally this week, Oscar-nominated actor Woody Harrelson is tasked with leading a basketball team to victory. This is Champions. You know the game better than anybody. We gotta defend over here! You got to learn to build relationships. I'm new to all this. Yeah, can tell. Hey, we got next. Don't make me say it. Make you say what? That's a boo-boo word. We got next! Coach, this doesn't feel right. I should be coaching in the NBA. Well, you never know where things could lead. No doubt. The film stars Harrelson as Marcus, a minor league basketball coach with dreams of coaching in the NBA. After having an on-court altercation with a member of his coaching staff, Phil Peretti, played by Ernie Hudson. When this altercation leads to him angrily and drunkenly driving his car into a police cruiser, Marcus finds himself in front of a judge who offers him the choice of jail time or community service coaching a team of intellectually disabled adults at the local community center. He approaches the team with the standoffish nature he is used to with NBA-bound players, only to find that this won't work with this team. Can Marcus find a way to connect with his new team in order to take them all the way to the Special Olympics? I give this film a... See it! This movie is such a heartwarming piece of film, directed by Bobby Farrelly, known for directing films with his brother Peter, such as Shallow Hal and Dumb and Dumber. Here he tugs on the heartstrings in a more authentic way than those previously mentioned films do. Yes, it is very predictable how this is going to go, but man, is it effective. Harrelson is the perfect choice for Marcus. He lends the film a great amount of heart and humor, as does Caitlin Olsen, who plays the sister of one of the players, and Marcus's potential love interest. 
The team is made up of charming and talented newcomers who will have you rooting for their success throughout the film. Even Cheech Marin has a supporting role as the manager of the rec center who helps motivate Marcus with the team. Again, this is a predictable film that often borders on schmaltzy, but you know what? I was hooked, and I was happy it was the Monday Mystery Movie last week at Regal Theatres. It is being released this weekend, March 10th, in theaters nationwide. Go see it. That's it for this week's featured films. To recap, Creed 3 is in theaters now and is a see it, and it's my pick of the week. Children of the Corn is in theaters now and is a shove it. Operation Fortune is in theaters now and is a mild see it. And Champions is in theaters now and is a see it and is my runner up for pick of the week. It was very, very close. Now, on to my brief take on some additional movies I've watched in my segment, Quick Picks. Dion Warwick, Don't Make Me Over, is a phenomenal look at the legendary singer. This documentary takes a behind-the-scenes look at the singer and, quite honestly, made me look at her in a new positive light. I always enjoyed her singing, but there's something about her that rubbed me off, you know, as being kind of mean... This film shows the depth, struggle, success, and most of all, the kindness behind one of the music industry's trailblazers. It is a see-it, and it is streaming on HBO Max. Actress Andrea Riseborough shocked Hollywood when she was recently nominated for Best Actress for her searing work in the independent film To Leslie. It is a gripping performance, and the film is a see-it. It is available to rent on various platforms. And Netflix's new horror comedy, We Have a Ghost, stars Anthony Mackie, David Harbour, and Tig Notaro. It's neither funny nor scary, and at nearly two hours and ten minutes, it is way too long for a film of this type. This is a shove-it. Now let's move on to my segment where I share where you can find some of the films I enjoyed within the last year that are now available for home viewing. This is now streaming. With the Academy Awards just around the corner, now is the perfect time to watch some of the films you may have missed during their theatrical run. With the exception of Avatar The Way of Water, which is still going strong in theaters, each of the Best Picture nominees are available for home viewing. All Quiet on the Western Front is a gripping war film that can be streamed on Netflix, The Banshees of Inisherin, a funny tale about the end of a friendship, can be streamed on HBO Max. Elvis, featuring lead actor contender Austin Butler, is also streaming on HBO Max. Frontrunner Everything Everywhere All at Once is available for streaming on Showtime. Steven Spielberg's semi-autobiographical tale The Fablemans is available to rent across platforms. Kate Blanchett's Tour de Force performance in Tar is available to watch on Peacock. Box Office Juggernaut, Top Gun Maverick is available to watch on Paramount+, Plus. Triangle of Sadness, which many of you know is my least favorite of the lineup, is now available to watch on Hulu if you want to see it for yourself, and The Haunting Women Talking is now available to rent across platforms. And of course, some movie theater chains are doing a Best Picture Marathon, so you can go see it on the big screen as they were meant to be seen if that is up your alley. 
Be sure to join me later this week as I give you my personal picks as well as my predictions of who will take home Oscar gold in my Theater Shove It special Oscars edition. That's coming later this week. Now it's time for my segment where I look at films from the past in Be Kind, Rewind. Continuing on my series where I take the 52-week movie challenge, this week's topic was an independent film. You could choose from Precious, Crash, Whiplash, and Moonlight. You voted, and by a landslide, selected the incredible film Whiplash. You got Buddy Rich here. Little trouble there. You're rushing. Here we go. Five, six, and... Were you rushing or were you dragging? I, I don't know. If you deliberately sabotage my band, I will gut you like a pig. Oh, my dear God. Are you one of those single-tier people? You are a worthless pansy ass who is now weeping and slobbering all over my drum set like a nine-year-old girl. Before he went on to win an Oscar for directing La La Land, director Damien Chazelle made an intense film about a musical prodigy named Andrew Neiman, played by Top Gun Maverick star Miles Teller, who here is a jazz drummer and first-year student at a prestigious New York City school named Schaefer University. He is soon recruited to play as an alternate in an ensemble conducted by Terrence Fletcher, played with furious menace by J.K. Simmons in his Academy Award-winning role. Soon, Andrew is berated, humiliated, and even slapped by Fletcher, not to mention had chairs thrown at him, when he doesn't play up to his standards. To show his dedication to his talent, Andrew insists on increasing his practice time in an effort to impress Fletcher. He soon does just that and is promoted to core drummer. This doesn't last long as he is soon replaced, causing Andrew to go down a spiral emotionally with his determination to be good enough to impress the abuse of Fletcher. And this causes fractures in his relationships with his family, friends, and girlfriend. The film was released on October 10, 2014, and was a moderate success, earning $49 million against a $3.3 million budget. Simmons gained a lot of traction for his stunning performance, frightening performance, I should say, earning almost every accolade possible leading to the Oscar. The film was nominated for five Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Adapted Screenplay for Chazelle. It won three, in addition to Simmons, the film won in the categories of film editing and sound mixing. Chazelle would later win Best Director for La La Land, and Simmons would be nominated again last year for his role as William Frawley in Being the Ricardos. Whiplash can be streamed on Showtime. Next week's Bekind Rewind topic is a family-friendly movie. The choices that will be up for a vote are Aquila and the Bee, Hugo, Paddington, and The Parent Trap. Come to my Instagram at theatershoveit to vote for which film I should focus on. The post with the most likes will be next week's segment. Finally, let's move on to Binge It or Singe It. This past week in the news, we saw the double murder conviction of Alex Murdow, an influential attorney from South Carolina. Recently, Netflix released a three-part series, Murdaugh Murders, 
a southern scandal. Everyone was like, Paul, don't drive. And Paul would snap back and be like, well, this is my fucking boat. He was out of his mind drunk. Y'all know Alec Murdoch? That's his son. I heard a scream and then a bang. Oh, what bridge is this? And then that's when we all started screaming for Mallory. Alec wasn't worried about finding Mallory. He wanted to make sure that lips were sealed. They were more worried about a cover-up. The limited documentary series explores the sketchy history behind the Murdoch family. With Patriarch Alex in the news for his conviction for murdering his wife and son... I decided to watch the show, and I am glad I did. It details the family history as a legal legacy in South Carolina, while also detailing the shady involvement of the family in several unsolved crimes, leading viewers to believe that this was a family that was free from accountability. That is, until last week. One case that is explored in the series is a boating accident that killed their son Paul's friend Mallory. In the series, Paul's own ex-girlfriend claims that it was Paul who was driving the boat, not their friend Connor that the family insisted had been the one driving. Armed with forensic evidence, the filmmakers explore this possibility. Another case that is looked at in the series is the death of their housekeeper that the family claimed tripped over their dogs and cracked her skull. Autopsy reports seem to contradict this as well. But the big story here is the evidence presented in the shooting murder of Alex's estranged wife and younger son, Paul. The evidence presented is interesting to look at, especially in light of the recent trial. The three episodes are a quick watch, and if you had any interest in the trial, then this will definitely be a binge for you. If you're looking for something a little longer to dig into, the similarly-themed The Staircase aired last year on HBO and starred Colin Firth and Tony Collette in their Emmy-nominated roles as Michael and Kathleen Peterson. It is based on the true story of Peterson, who was accused of killing Kathleen by pushing her down a staircase in their home in North Carolina. Jeez, what the hell? Maybe you should stay away from the Carolinas if your marriage is on the rocks. Anyway, this series follows the trial, and they share very similar content... Um, including suspicious deaths and unsolved mysteries. This show is streaming on HBO Max, and The Murdaugh Murders, A Southern Scandal, is streaming on Netflix. Time for me to start wrapping up this episode of Cedar Shove It. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. I'm forever grateful. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this month, and while you're at it, share my podcast with your movie and TV-loving friends and family. Don't forget, you can drop me a line at seeitorshoveit at gmail.com and let me know if you have any ideas or suggestions. And please follow me on Instagram at seeitorshoveit and rate me wherever you get your podcasts. As I mentioned earlier, later this week I will release my picks and predictions for the Oscars, which will air on ABC next Sunday night, March 12th. And come back next week to hear my thoughts on Scream 6 and the rest of the week's new releases. Have a great week, everyone. This episode of See It or Shove It was recorded in Orlando, Florida and is produced by Gregory G. Productions. Music by Mysterio Music. All rights reserved.